to another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jeff, joining me as always on the road this week. Calling in is my uh, my usual co-host, Mark A. Johnston. Mark, how you doing? Hey, man, I'm uh, I'm on the road. I'm uh, out by a beach. I can't say which beach, but it's really long. And sandy and wet. But we don't want to <laughs> yes. give too much away. Yeah, it's nice out here, man, but uh, I couldn't miss uh, talking to our listeners uh, because that is it's very cathartic to me, you know, to to talk about baseball. So, yeah, well, I, it sounds like I might just be talking about baseball for a while because it looks like the A's might have a couple of uh, a couple of days off here with some uh, yeah. positive tests, which isn't good. Saw that. Hopefully everybody is okay and uh, they won't miss too many games. You you might miss some as well because they were headed back to Seattle this week. That's right. They were heading. They're heading north um, this coming week, and we don't know if we're going to have games or not. But uh, that's the way the season is, kind of playing it by ear. You might get to work a rare double header at T-Mobile Park at some point in the near future. Boy, that is rare. I don't think one has ever been done. Yeah, I don't think there has been. So that'll we'll have to set up the scoring because those will be seven innings apiece. It'll be a little bit different. Yeah, and I also wanted to apologize. My voice is a little off this week. I was out last night uh, doing karaoke and uh, doing nothing but bodies by drowning pool. Ah, karaoke. Very nice. Actually, I made that up because the karaoke places aren't even open. But, you know. <laughs> Just singing in the car. Well, coming up on today's show, we are going to do one of our, our popular uh, Tales from the Dugout episode where we've got a couple of just shorter stories instead of the usual longer form stories. So we've got some fun stories there. Uh, we want to first, though, do our usual BP and, and warm up and get some little nuggets of uh, baseball frivolity to keep you entertained. This one, Mark, you very well could have been in the house for this one. I've got a Mariners tidbit here. Nice. So you remember when Adrian Beltre was with the with the Mariners? He how long he was there for two or three years, right? Four years, I believe. It was a four year contract. Four years. Well he at one point was on the DL when he tore his right testicle fielding a ball. Oh. Ah, ah. Yeah, like this is it, not quite as serious as the Mitch Haniger thing, but uh, Ken Griffey Jr. had a little bit of fun with him the first game that he uh, that he came back and played at then Safeco Field, and he had uh, he had some special walk up music for Adrian as he went to the batter's box. He arranged to have the Nutcracker Suite played as he walked up. <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> I'm not going to explain it. This is a this oh, is okay. a safe for work show. I mean, we talked last year about uh, when Mitch Haniger was trying to come back last year from his testicular Sp- issue and uh, they spectacular ass- injury. Yeah. They assigned him to the Modesto Nuts, which was just uncalled right. for. <laughs> Completely and totally not thought of. I mean, somebody didn't think that through. <laughs> but we had fun with it. Another thing, this was really interesting, and you know, we we do our debuts based on when this show is debuting, and this actually happened. Uh, our show this week is debuting on September first. This happened September first, nineteen eighty. It was the final day of the season for AAA, uh, the I guess it was the International League at this point for the uh, the Paw Sox, who were the and still are the the triple A club of the Boston Red Sox. And this was when Wade Boggs was still down in the international league final game of the season. 
And Wade Boggs is leading in the batting, uh, the batting race as he heads into this final game. He grounds out to first base in his final at bat of the season. But what made this kind of weird is that he should have never had this at bat. They were playing the Toledo Mud Hens, who were up six to nothing. And what happened in the ninth inning is they inch, they issued an intentional walk to, I've never heard of this guy, Ray Boyer. I'm not sure if he made it in the big leagues or not, but he was described as light hitting. They intentionally walked him. They did this so that Wade Boggs would have another at bat so that he might lose the title to Dave Engel, who just happened to be an outfielder for Toledo, who they were playing. What do you know? So they intentionally walk Ray Boyer. Ray Boyer goes down to first base and just keeps going. He casually strolls around the bases waiting to be tagged out because every, (laughs) you know, he's a teammate with Wade. He knows what they're doing. The mud hens throw the ball away. (laughs) He just keeps walking around. And uh, eventually Wade Boggs is forced to come to the plate. As I said, grounds out and he loses the batting title by 0.007 percentage points to the outfielder for the other team. That's terrible. That does not sound like something that is in the spirit of the game. No, I'm I'm really surprised that the umpires, they had to have been aware of this, didn't just stop the game and say, go sit. You're on first base. Yeah, they can call you out for making a mockery of the game, for goodness sakes. You know, I guess, though, the Paw Sox, they could have pinch hit for Wade Boggs. That's true. That's a good point. I mean, they were down six to nothing, so it wasn't they more than likely weren't going to have to take the field in the bottom of the inning. So now I've got a question who the manager of the Paw Sox, you know, what was he thinking there? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, if you had been managing, you you found a solution. I just did. Let's see. Let's take a Quick peek here. Here we go. Uh, for, to all the major and minor league teams out there, independent league, whatever you want, collegiate level, I'm Jeff's available. available. <laughs> he knows what he's doing. I am completely available. All right, so let's look at Pa Tuckett in 1990. They were managed. <laughs> they were managed by soon to be, uh, well, not soon, but he eventually ended up managing the the big league squad as Joe Morgan, not Hall of Famer oh. Joe Morgan, but right. The old, other Joe Morgan. Old white guy, Joe Morgan. That guy. And Wade Boggs uh, had a good season, but that's that's kind of lame. I got this one for you. So remember, it, I mention this every couple of shows, it seems like, my Ken Griffey Jr. Felix Jose Canseco mashup. Yes. All right. I found on a random Reddit thread the longest baseball name mashup ever. And I guarantee you there's not a longer one. Okay. Are you ready? You might want to start the stopwatch on this one. All right. Hold on. <laughs> okay. I got a sundial. That's okay. the best I can do. Well, it, you might actually see it change on this one. All right. So here we go. So everybody get ready. Deep breath. Fred, Carl, Everett, Scott, Terry, Lee, Graham, Taylor, Jordan, Noberto, Martin, Duke, Brett, Cecil, Travis, Lee, Howard, Farmer, Ray, Thomas, Gorman, Thomas, Howard, Earl, Henry, Austin, Jackson, Todd, Walker, Cooper. Holy smokes. Yeah. I counted, I think there was four. <laughs> well, but I'm not that good at counting. In the first three names, there were four. But there is a mashup of... I did, That's I sh- impressive. I probably should have counted that up before we started to record. But there you go. 
that <laughs> makes my Ken Griffey Jr. Felix Jose Canseco look like that single A short season uh, independent league ball stuff right there. Not it's, yeah, that's good stuff. That's that's pretty impressive. Um, <laughs> before we get into debuts, I want to give a shout out. Uh, I want to give a shout out to the High and Inside podcast. Now we've had Joel, the host of that show. He's been uh, he's been on our show. He pinch hit for you one time, Mark, when you were yes unavailable. He's also was on our Bump Bailey Wax Pack Hero Tournament of Awesome, which you can still find on YouTube. It's all right there. And uh, I so I joined him uh, this week, and we talked some some Braves baseball. He he's he does a lot of Braves baseball. Also uh, covers a lot of baseball history, which is fun because you know we kind of like that. And uh, had a good time talking about uh, some of my time with the Braves, as well as some memories, uh, both from both him and I at Turner Field and, and Fulton County and stuff. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes. If you if you don't listen to the High and Inside podcast already, you probably should. He does some fun things. Does a lot. My favorite is the social media hot takes where he takes some rather questionable uh, comments from Braves message boards from people that don't know what they're talking about. It's good stuff. So holding them accountable. So yes, to speak. he is. He's really he's 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 holding fans accountable. So, you know, like I said, I'll put I'll put some uh, links in the show notes. so You can go listen to that and add that to your rotation if you don't listen to them already. But uh, what do you say we look at some debuts? People. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So this is uh, this is this was a hard one because this show, like I said, is debuting on September 1st. That date doesn't mean as much to in baseball anymore starting this year. But up until this year, that was when the rosters expanded. Remember, to 40 players. So this list was very, very long. It was almost as long as that mashup that I just finished up. (laughs) But I did manage to pick out three players that I thought were were interesting. We have mentioned all three of these guys before, so it would be fun just to go a little bit more in depth. Uh, first, we'll start off in 1969, making his debut today with Steve Garvey, Mr. Clean. <laughs> Mr. Clean by name only. Yeah, so Mr. Yeah. Clean, ha- he's a 10-time All-Star, a four-time Gold Glove winner. He won the World Series with the Dodgers in 1981 and was the 1974 National League MVP. He had a 38.1 career war, ended up with 272 career home runs, 2,599 hits, 1,308 RBI, and had a OPS plus of 117. His uh, his first action on this day was against the Mets, where he pinch hit and he struck out. A couple of interesting facts about Steve Garvey. He's one of only two players to have started an all-star game as a write-in candidate. Hmm. And he did that in 1974. And you know what? I completely forgot to find out who was the other write-in candidate that made it. Uh, so I'm going to, I'll need to look that up. I'll, I'll circle back on that next week because I'm interested. To, to be written in is pretty interesting. To start. Yeah, that's stuff to do. You, to, you, to start as a write-in. That's just crazy. Yeah. Garvey was as potent with the bat as he was with the ladies. He is a father <laughs> to seven kids, not all of which are from the woman that he was married to at that point, uh, which is in stark contrast to his clean-cut Captain America image that he portrayed throughout his career and drove his teammates crazy at some point. So, but, uh, definitely more of a Bob's big boy than a uh, Captain America. <laughs> 
<laughs> we had the hair of Bob's big boy, didn't he? He did. Absolutely. I, I was, I saw it was, I think it was goose gossage. It was some reliever that had a pool party and Steve Garvey was there and he was walking by the pool and his teammates pushed him into the pool. And he came out of the pool and his hair did not move. It was exactly the same as when he went in, is the story. Okay, next, 1980, making his debut today was Lee Smith. We've talked about him many times. Seven-time All-Star. Three-time Rolaids Relief uh, Award winner. And was put into the Hall of Fame last year in 2019. Career... 478 saves, a 134 ERA plus. This is pretty interesting. A 1.256 whip. Now that seems really high for a dominant closer. It does, yeah. And he was he, he only started six games his entire career. So he was a reliever his entire time in the big leagues almost. That is a really high whip. Yeah, that's strange. I did not know this. He was scouted by Buck O'Neill is who discovered him. No kidding. That's got to be pretty cool to have Buck O'Neill be the guy that found you. No doubt. Uh, Lee held the National League single season saves record for one season. In 1991, he uh, he saved 47 games. Actually, it was two seasons. I'm sorry. That record was broken by Rob Beck in 1993. So two years later. Uh, do you remember Rob Beck's nickname? No. How about the Mad Hungarian Jr.? Very close. It was uh, the same as a character in Happy Gilmore. It's Shooter. Ah. Okay, our final debut happened today in 1992. It is none other than Mike Piazza. Piazza came up with the Dodgers. His debut, quite a good debut. At the Cubs, he went three for three with a double and a walk off of Cubs starter Mike Harkey. That's pretty good. Not a bad start. He ended up winning Rookie of the Year the next year in 1993. He's a 12-time All-Star, a 10-time Silver Slugger, and was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2016. He had a career war of 59.6, ended up with 427 home runs, 1,335 RBI, and posted in career OPS Plus of 143. Piazza, the lowest drafted player to ever be elected into the National Baseball Hall of Fame. He was selected 1,390th overall in the 1988 draft. Just drafted as a favor. Uh, <laughs> Tommy Lasorda knew his dad drafted as a, as a favor. So that's, that's uh, just an incredible story. Uh, greatest offensive catcher of all time, maybe? I don't know. I was trying to come up with Quite other possibly. names. Yogi Berra is has got to be there as as a as a great oh, offensive yeah. catcher. Johnny Bench also as of well. Yep. I thought maybe we'd let uh, let our our buddies over at baseball beyond batting average. Maybe they can dig into that. Who they think is their greatest uh, offensive catcher? But I think Piazza is definitely in that conversation. Um, Piazza appeared in the movie Two Weeks Notice. I think that was uh, Hugh Grant and Sandra Bullock, if I recall correctly. Uh, those chick flicks kind of run together for me, so sure. I'm pretty sure it was. I don't remember him in that movie. I think I've only seen it once. Um, he also appeared in an episode of Baywatch, which we covered just uh, a week or two ago. Good stuff. Real 
fine acting. Uh, he was also mm-hmm. in an episode of Married with Children in 1994. And I remember this episode because that was during the strike. And so there were a whole bunch of MLB players. They, I think they were, they ended up in Bud's room at night. Like he was having a dream or something. And they're like, we got nothing else to do. So, um, and in 2013, he debuted with the Miami city ballet. Wow. (laughs) It was a non-dancing role. His daughter was big time into the ballet. So he was trying to promote the ballet. And so he joined the, joined the, the crew, the squad. What is a ballet? A troop there. That's, that's what they're troops. Yeah. All right, let's jump into our trivia question, Mark. I asked you last week, who are the only two players to hit home runs before they were 20 and after they were 40? And I gave you a clue. I said that their last names rhyme. Do you have any idea? The only guy I could come up with, and he doesn't have a rhyming counterpart, was Gary Sheffield. <laughs> no, he does not have uh, does not have a rhyming nickname, does he? Sheffield... Um, left field, maybe. left field. Yeah, but it's it actually rhymes with the other player, not a position. So, oh right, so close. Yeah. So Sheffield hit a home run. He hit four when he was age nineteen, and he hit uh, he hit ten when he was age forty, but not after age forty. Ah, I was so close. Yeah, that was a good good guess though. But no. Thank you. No, I have no other answer. So I've got, we've got a listener that actually wrote in that gave me the correct answer. So this is a first you've been, you've been beat by a listener. Give a shout out to, uh, at Chris STL fan on Twitter. He came in with the right answer. And, uh, the answer is Ty Cobb and Rusty Staub. <laughs> How did I not come up with those? Ty Cobb. We've certainly talked about quite a bit let's see ty cobb uh hit his first home run when he was 18 years old and then uh, he was 41 when he hit his last one so interesting not bad and then looking at legrand oh i i, I always mess, mess up his legrand orange the <laughs> legrand orange uh hit one when he was 19 and then uh, hit his last one uh, just like ty cobb when he was 41 so there you go. In okay. contrast to me, I hit no home runs in my teens and none after the age of 40. No, so no, still, still looking for that first one. Still looking for that first one. So uh, congrats to, to uh, Chris STL fan. Thank you for uh, knowing, knowing the answer. So I've got hey, an, you win respect. Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, so I've got a question for you and I'm going to tie it back to our, to our Lee Smith uh, debut when we talked about, and we talked about this a week or so ago and you looked up the Rolaids relief man award. So you might yeah. get this, this correct. You might've seen this. My question for next week is who won the Rolaids relief man award the most times. Hmm. This award was given out between 1976 and 2012. Okay. So that gives you a little bit of, you know, a, of a time frame there. You can kind of think of the dominant closers because that 76 is about when closing started to come into to be a thing. Right. So there, uh, if you can tell me who has won that the most times, you will be uh, showered with gifts and uh, praise next week. Oh, wow. Awesome. I'll be thinking about that. 
So uh, that's going to do it for our, our BP segment. Let's uh, let the grounds crew come out, drag the infield, chalk the lines. We'll go change into our gamers. We'll, we'll take off our two-in-one stirrups and put on our real ones for the game. And uh, let's jump right into our tales from the dugout. Mark, I'm going to let you go first. And uh, what, do you, what do you want to talk about? Well, the year, my friend, was 1919. Oh, I remember going wow. on in baseball that year. There was uh, some interesting playoff races going on. Cleveland was playing the Philadelphia Athletics. Indians led the visiting uh, Athletics 2-1 to one, the top of the ninth inning. A man named Ray Caldwell. Heard of him? Ray Caldwell. Yeah. Good pitcher. He had, uh, he had done pretty well, had a pretty decent career. He had been released that year by Boston, and the Indians picked him up. And he was actually tossing a really good game. He was pitching for a playoff contender. And so he's out there and he's throwing. He threw eight and two-thirds innings. All right? Okay. So there's two down. He's looking for the final out. Joe Dugan steps up to the plate, looks in for the sign, and boom, he's struck by lightning. Boom, strikes the, strikes the guy and knocks him out cold. Upon studying it later, they, they say, look, the lightning came in through the the little metal button on top of his hat and came out through his the squatchy. So, yeah, the squatchy. So it cleaned him out good. You know, it went in there, came out. He's lying on the mound, completely knocked off. Apparently, all the players felt some kind of lightning, some kind of, um, like, electricity. It says that Steve O'Neill's mask and hat, as a catcher, had been knocked off. Knocked off Harry Davis's Navy Blue A's cap. He was coaching third for, for Philadelphia back then. And they could all feel some kind of lightning. Somebody walks up to see if if our boy Ray Caldwell is okay. They grab him, and electricity shoots through his system too. The guy's laying there; they don't know what to do. So they they finally get to the point where they're trying to wake him up. He's got a heartbeat. He comes to, looks around, and says, "Okay." He does a quick inventory, looks at everything's still connected. Fine. Stands up. Give me the ball. Excuse me. <laughs> Um, he's standing there crackling with electricity, you know, his hair sticking straight up and he's telling the manager, you know, I- I'm good. You know, stuff happens. I'm ready to rumble. So the manager gives him back the ball and he goes back to pitching to Joe Dugan, gets him to ground out, complete game, gets the big win. And also gets a, uh, it was kind of a shocking outing from uh, what, uh, <laughs> oh. what I'm reading about here. He was struck by lightning, and but he did spark the Indians to victory. So, oh boy, where's that big yeah. hook that comes out from the side <laughs> of the stage? <laughs> where's, yeah, where's Sparky Anderson when you need him? <laughs> oh, I got a million of them. Just the other day, <laughs> yeah, it was electric. I tell you. So, uh, yeah, I just I, I was actually in physical therapy, and my physical therapist goes, "Hey, ever hear about the guy that?" You struck by lightning while I was pitching? You ought to talk about that. And I went, you're right. I ought to. Uh, so there wasn't enough to do a full show on it, but um, was it that, interesting. It was just the anniversary of that, wasn't that? I think I, I, now that you mentioned that, I think I saw something about that recently. I think it was just the anniversary-ish. Yeah, August 24th, 1919. So oh, there you go. So a little I, over a week ago when this airs. I just pulled up Ray Caldwell's page here. Nicknames Rube, Sum, or Slim. <laughs> That's a slim. I haven't heard some. That's kind of a, a weird one. Uh, pretty decent career. Went 134 and 120, a 3.22 ERA. Uh, he pitched quite a bit. He pitched for 12 years with New York, Boston, and Cleveland. 
But mm -hmm. uh, I'm looking at his transactions here. He was traded along with some other guys for some other guys. But uh, one of the guys included in that deal was named Slim Love. <laughs> oh man that's one of my favorite djs i love that's slim love I, that absolutely does that not sound like slim love like he should be in you know some kind of r&b group or something absolutely i think he is yeah it's <laughs> very likely oh slim love all right well i so got that's that's the story of ray caldwell's shocking complete game all right so i've got one here that you know i've i've it's been interesting because you and i have talked about these kind of stories we've mentioned before you know long before we ever did the podcast and we're kind of baseball geeks so we have a lot of useless knowledge and i keep forgetting that we do have people that listen to our show that that uh, some of these stories are brand new and some of these stories are things that i i just I don't do because I'm like, I, I think most people know that and I got to get off that because they're really good stories that I think we should we should cover. And one of those I get asked about this one a lot when people find out I'm an A's fan is they ask me, what's up with the elephant? Like what? Yes. What exactly is that? And why do the A's use that as an elephant or as their mascot? So I, I wanted to go over here really quickly. Uh because I learned something recently that I did not know about the elephant. So I just wanted to go over the brief history. Well, it's not brief, but <laughs> the, the history of the A's and their elephant mascot. So we talked a couple of episodes ago about the New York Yankees and their roots in Baltimore that the American League formed and the Baltimore team was abandoned. And, and instead, the American League let the New York Highlanders, who then became the Yankees down the road, uh, be a member of that league. You can go back and, and listen to that episode for all that information. But John McGraw was the manager of that Baltimore club that was disbanded. And in 1902, when, when Baltimore was disbanded, he went to the National League's New York Giants. He and American League president Ban Johnson had no love lost between them. They, they were always butting heads. And now... McGraw had jumped to the rival league, to the National League. In New York, reporters at one point asked McGraw what he thought of the Philadelphia A's and their chances. And McGraw was a kind of guy, kind of spoke his mind. He called them a white elephant. And he went on to say that they didn't make any money last season and they weren't making any money this season. So this is the part that I now just learned. Like, I, I always knew the term white elephant. But I wasn't really yeah. sure what it was. So a white elephant refers to a burdensome gift or purchase that's too valuable to throw away. What really hit home here is the is where people think the origin of this term white elephant came from. They think it came from Thailand, where albino elephants are considered sacred. And legend has it that the king of Siam, when he was displeased with the subject, he would give them an albino elephant or a white elephant, knowing that they would have to keep that elephant alive because it was sacred and it was a gift from the king. And he knew because it was going to be expensive to keep it alive, that it would ruin them. It would drain all of their funds and they would be poor. 
So it's like really a underhanded way of getting at somebody. And so by calling this team a white elephant, he's saying that uh, Scheib still owned the park. I forget Scheib's first name. Uh, still owned the, the athletics at this point. That he basically was just having to continually pay money to keep the A's afloat. So that's why he called them a white elephant. So the A's use this as a rallying cry. Connie Mack was the manager, obviously, at this point. He used this as a managing cry. And similar to, you know, the the movie Major League, where the team puts together a life-size cutout of their their owner, Rachel Phelps, who's trying to make them lose. And they pull a piece off every time they win to reveal her showgirl outfit. Just like that ragtag group from Cleveland, the A's went on to win the National League pennant that year. This happened to be the final year that there wasn't a World Series. The next year they started the American League and National League playing in the World Series. But they went on to win the pennant. And when the A's went on to face McGraw's Giants in the 1905 World Series, the team actually presented McGraw with a statue of a white elephant, which he graciously accepted. (laughs) <laughs> and from there, it's been off and on used as the mascot in Philadelphia, in Kansas City, and in Oakland. You know, Connie Mack thought it was kind of a good luck charm for many years. And then when they really sucked for a while, he thought it was a curse. So he removed it. And then it came back when they were in Kansas City and Oakland. Charlie Finley got rid of it and tried to make the donkey their mascot, oh, yes. which right. if you think about it, an elephant and a donkey, those are our two uh-huh. political symbols. Yep. Um, but the A's have brought it back. In, I think it was in the 1990s they brought it back, and they've got Stomper is the uh, the elephant mascot that goes around the crowd. I always thought that the name of the mascot, not Stomper, but you know the actual logo was Inky, but mm-hmm. I guess it's not. I could not find a name for him, and I guess Inky the elephant is a common cartoon elephant nickname. So I don't know where I got that, but there, there you have the history of, you know, why in the world do the A's use the elephant as a mascot? Very interesting. Did you see this week that Zach Grinke threw like a 54 mile an hour pitch for a strike? He called it too. Yes. What happened was he got crossed up. Basically he was calling his own pitches and him and the catcher, they have a series of symbols uh, they're, they're, you know, using flags and uh, <laughs> semaphore. You know, basically they're signaling each other with their hands, fingers, and stuff like that to which pitch he's going to throw. And they got crossed up, and he went and he knew that the glove was not in the right place from what the pitch he called. So he thought of stepping off the mound, but then he thought, no, I'll throw a change up, and he kind of couldn't decide, and he threw this EFAS pitch that ended up going <laughs> over the plate for a strike. Now, we're never going to see that again from him because it was a total accident. But I started thinking about the Ephus pitch. And because I remember seeing it when I was when I was really young and I was watching some uh, an Astros game. And there was a guy named Pasquale Perez. You remember that guy? Yep, I remember that. Pasquale Perez, uh, famous for on field as well as off field issues. It's um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> a nice way of. Yeah, it's, he actually he actually passed away from a, a he was shot during a home invasion or something like that I think he, he had a weird life anyway Pasquale used to throw this Ephus pitch and he he would get guys to just swing and miss at this thing it was similar to the Grinky pitch but it was actually have a little more height on it and he he would toss it in there and I saw him like Gerald Young who was an outfielder for the Astros take a 
big old hack at this thing and end up just screwing himself under the ground. You know? <laughs> Did he turn around like three times like Bugs Bunny and get called out on one pitch? Exactly like that. Exactly like that. So, you know, and later in the game, he tries to throw it. Now, he tries to throw it to Glenn Davis. Well, Glenn Davis, aside from being a pretty darn good baseball player, was a pretty impressive softball player as well. And so he kind of triggered at it, and then he waited, and he watched it with his look in his eyes like – like I'm staring at a Boston cream pie, you know, can't wait to get to that. Saucers, and, saucers uh, in the eyes. <laughs> exactly. And he just hits this thing, you know, 350 feet into the, into the seats. And I remember thinking, man, what a, what a weird thing to do. So I looked up the EFIS pitch and I found out that it's actually been a pretty popular pitch over the years. Rip Sewell was known for his, the, Rip Sewell of the Pittsburgh Pirates was known for his EFIS pitch. His manager, Frankie Frisch, was not real fond of it, um, but he said it was named by Maurice Van Robes, who uh, replied, Ephus ain't nothing. But when Sewell asked him why he named it that, he said, Ephus means nothing, and so does that pitch. So there you have it. The Ephus pitch was, uh, he threw this to Ted Williams in the 1946 All-Star game. <laughs> and Williams, Williams swung and missed and, and then went, hey, Throw that one again. <laughs> what do you think happened if Ted Williams is waiting on an EFIS pitch? Uh, he probably yeah, he, put a hurt on it. Yeah, he crushed it into the seats in left field. And uh, that was the only time that the EFIS was ever hit for a home run off of Mr. Sewell. Now, if you watch the video and it's out there, you can see Ted Williams start running towards the pitcher's mound. He hits this thing. It's going to bounce in front of home plate, but he's taken a few steps out there. So if the umpire had noticed, it really wasn't an actual legal home run. He's actually out for an illegal action, quote unquote, if he hits the ball with one or both feet on the ground entirely outside the batter's box. So it was a, it was a legal pitch, but an illegal hit, but it was fun to watch. Um, I started looking up other people who have thrown the EFIS, David LaRoche, who, uh, the pitch was known as La Lob, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, Bill Lee, the spaceman, actually threw a version of it called the Spaceball, or occasionally the Leafus. <laughs> I like that one. Uh, in Game 7 of the 75 World Series, uh, Bill Lee uh, retired, retired Hall of Famer Tony Perez with that very pitch. Uh, the third time he came up, he tried it again, and Lee, of course, crushed it. Or I mean, Perez, of course, crushed it into the seats off of Mr. Lee. Um, Steve Hamilton of the New York Yankees called his EFAS uh, pitch the Folly Floater, and he devel developed another one based on that pitch called the Hesitation Hummer, where it looked like he was going to throw the EFAS, but he actually threw a fastball. So the Hesitation Hummer worked along with the Folly Floater, and it contributed to uh, his little bit of success that he had. Um, I talked about Pasquale Perez a little bit. It, it, there was a uh, Ichiro Suzuki had a five for five night one night uh, off of Mark Burley, and Burley did not do well career wise against Mr. Ichiro. He, so he tossed him up an Ephus pitch. Now I, I wouldn't do that, you know, because Ichiro is a great bad ball hitter. But he said he tried every pitch in his repertoire, and he he couldn't get him out, so he just decided to throw the Ephus. Uh, he threw he threw it occasionally. He called it the dead fish. So he's he trying to get Ichiro out, and he of course got his fifth hit. Actually, that was in his fourth at bat. So then he got a fifth hit after. Casey Fossum of the Devil Rays 
uh, has had an EFAS pitch that uh, would actually dip below 50 miles an hour. That was called the Fossum Flip. And uh, not the Fosbury Flop. Not the Fosbury Flop, which we all learned in, in high school or something like that. It had nothing to do with high jumping whatsoever. So just want to talk about the EFAS pitch after that interesting performance by Zach Grinke. You know, I don't even think if I was up there facing an EFAS pitch, I think I would, it would still get by me just personally. I probably get by me as well. So <laughs> I just I just looked up Mark Burley versus Ichiro Suzuki. Ichiro is yes. 27 for 66 for a 409 average and a 429 <laughs> on base with oh one double, one triple, one home run. So his OPS was 929. Oh my gosh. Wow. That's not that's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mark Burley really had a tough time with some guys, you know, and, and he was a, he was a good pitcher too. He yeah. Just, uh, he, but he was around for a long time, but he was also, yes. he wasn't, he, he's a real quick worker. I believe so. Yeah. So we're fans. We love the quick workers. <laughs> we, we really do. Oh, the ethos pitch. Yeah. I saw that. I, I mean, uh, Zach Greinke's had quite a week, isn't he? So he, he did that. He, didn't like the mound in, in was I think it was in California. So he had the grounds crew came out. And so what are you going to do when the grounds crew's working on the mound? He just sat down on the grass right there and watched him work. <laughs> Earlier in the year in Oakland, he went up in the stands and was sitting there in between. Uh, or I think it was after he got pulled from the game. He went up in the stands and watched the rest of the game. And then he pitched the second game of a doubleheader over the weekend against the A's. And he uncorked a wild pitch with a guy on third. And you could hear him say, oh, my goodness, which is <laughs> so wholesome. that it's <laughs> That's like something I would say. Correct me up. I'm like, hey, that's something I would. Oh, goodness sakes, that got away from me. <laughs> oh, for good golly, Miss Molly's sake. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, that's good. Zach Granke's good comedy. And uh, the EFAS pitch is always good, too, when you see that, that high arcer. Yeah, I love it. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, Mark, that's that's good. That probably is uh, is enough of our uh, frivolities from the tales uh, from the dugout segment, because I think everybody is probably waiting for another edition of Wax Pack Heroes. Gotta pull away. We started a new season last week. It's very, very exciting. We added some new rules. I started off on a good foot and uh, came away with a victory in the first round. Uh, so I do lead one to nothing, but you are wearing the uh, the Wax Pack Hero crown for this entire season. So yes, yes. I'm, congratulations. I'm proud too, probably. Yeah, congratulations to you. They gave me a free balloon at Burger King when I wore it there. So. <laughs> Well, it, there's a lot of uh, a lot of perks that come with winning this thing. So <laughs> yes. take advantage. Yeah, well, just the, the notoriety in itself. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so uh, we're going to get ready to do another episode. This is going to be a very special episode because we have a uh, we've got a pack. Uh, we're going to open 1987 tops today. First of all, which is my favorite, my favorite set. But we are going to open a pack uh, one of which was, it wasn't really donated, but it came to us from a listener and from a very talented artist. Uh, I will put some links in the show notes. I also 
posted it on our social media last week. I ordered a Ricky Henderson print from uh, you can find uh, you can find it at Danny underscore champion on Twitter. I'll also throw uh, his Instagram information in the show notes as well but it is this really cool uh it's a comic book like cover for ricky henderson and he does a whole bunch of other players he's got don mattingly dale murphy just a whole bunch of of really great older players and they're just really really cool looking stuff and it's uh, amazing stuff it really is yeah and and he retires some of these pieces too so you know you need to look at them they're they're not expensive either they're you're not going to break the bank getting these uh, but they're not all available you know all the time so make sure to look at those i'll put the links in there but included in in this piece of artwork he sends out some baseball cards a pack of baseball cards and he sent a 1987 pack so i am going to use that as my pack and i've got another 87 pack for you so okay cool uh, hopefully that'll bring me some more good luck but that's what we're using today we're using 1987 tops the rest of our rules, uh, in case you are just joining us for the first time, we are using a May 1992 Beckett baseball card monthly so that these cards have some value. We've got some other uh, other rules as well. If you're wearing real stirrups, you get an extra cent. If you're wearing the two-in-ones, that's a minus one cent. I don't think we're going to have any of those issues with 90, uh, 1987. Next rule, wearing a mustache or growing one or sporting one. However, you've got them. If you're wearing the Groucho Mark sunglasses or, you know, glasses with the nose and stuff, we'll give it to you. Uh, sure. you. You get an extra cent for that. We do have the option of giving an extra bonus cent. If it is a super sweet Tom Selleck quality mustache, you can get two cents. <laughs> That's a new one. And Jeff is the final arbiter on the Tom Selleck quality of the facial hair. <laughs> uh, next, if you are wearing glasses of any sort here, the key being we really like the science teacher glasses that take up your whole face. Uh, but even sunglasses will will give it to you. You get an extra scent. You're wearing uh, MIMS bands, which means uh, your caricature or even just your jersey number on your sweatbands will give you an extra scent because those are pretty awesome. Uh, if you're wearing high tops plus real stirrups, that's a bad luck. You're going to get minus one cent. If you're wearing high tops and the two and ones, that's an even worse look. And that's a minus two cents. And then if you're a Hall of Famer, we're going to give you an extra five cents. So you don't have the option this time of, of which pack because I've already determined. So I'm going to let you decide if you want to go first or second. You know, I'd like to go second this time. I usually go first. All right. So that's I'm going to let you... With the featured pack, go first. Okay, so there I've got my pack. He even autographed the pack for us. So nice. This is I'm I'm probably gonna ruin the value by doing this, but I'm I'm gonna go ahead and uh, open this pack. Oh, there's the gum. The gum is actually stuck to the card on the back. Wade Rowden. Always a bonus. Wade there, Rowden, oh, who I've oh, the and it's, the gum is Wade Rowden. It's not coming. No, the pack of the card. Uh, the gum is not coming off. That is stuck on there. So that'll really hurt the value of Wayne Wade Rowden, whoever he is. Yeah, yeah, that's a good pack already. <laughs> all right, so let's start off. Uh, I got gum powder all over my desk now. Gum, not gun, gum. Gum, gum, gum. powder. All right, uh, let's start off. Here is a guy. Wow, this guy pitched forever. Pitched for the Angels, the Rangers. Here he is with the Tigers. It is uh, Frank Tananarama. Oh, Frank Tananadakery. Yes, 
Um, boy, he did pitch a long time, didn't he? Uh, he sure did. I, it, first of all, I was pretty proud. I just made up that nickname. That was good. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, he pitched for, let's see here. How many years did he pitch? Uh, 73 through 93. So 20 years ended up with a record of 240 and 236. Uh, <laughs> to be that close to 500, but Hey, he still was over 500. Got to give it to him. Yeah. Uh, no value though, uh, of any sort, no mustache, no, uh, no glasses and uh, Beckett didn't like him. So <laughs> nothing there for uh, Frank Tanana. Uh, my second card, I got a Hall of Famer. This is a good, oh, and it's geez. a, oh boy, it's his rookie card as well. I, I'm excited about this. It is shortstop for the Cincinnati Reds. It's Barry Larkin. Barry Larkin. Solid. Yeah, Hall of Famers tend to be. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So Barry Larkin. Wow, Beckett. 65 cents for Barry Larkin. There you go. Hey, five tool player. Plus, he is a Hall of Famer. No mustache. Uh, can't see his stirrups, but uh, I'll take that. That's seventy cents right out the right off the bat. There, that might that oh, might. I know you didn't load the pack, man. Well, I, you you got to talk to 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 Danny. I didn't I didn't do this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, next. All right, let's go on. Oh wow, this is a baby face boy. It's another rookie card. Uh, a baby-faced reliever for the Texas Rangers at this point, Mitch Williams. Wow. The wild thing back with the Rangers. Yeah, he, my goodness, he looks so young. Uh, Value-wise, that's an eight-cent card for me. Uh, I can't see anything else that'll get me any points. But again, that's a, that's a nice card. Of course, Mitch gave up the home run. To uh, Joe Carter with <laughs> after he was distracted by Ricky Henderson dancing off a second. That's right. Okay, next we've got catcher for the New York Yankees. Uh, he was on that team a lot when Ricky was there. Mr. Joel Skinner. Joel Skinner, absolutely. Joel Leonard Skinner. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that one. Nice. See, I'm coming up. I'm coming up with names now. No value here from Beckett. He is wearing real stirrups because he's a catcher, and we've determined that they always wear real stirrups. Uh, but that's the, that's the only value I'm going to get there. Uh, but I just love uh, pinstripes in this '88 set, at, uh, '87 set. They just look, I, for some reason they look really good. Uh, here is a uh, pitcher for the St. Louis Cardinals. I am not familiar with Ray Soff. S O F F. Yeah, nope, got me on that one. So he has got a mustache and he's got real stirrups. I'm going to guess that's the only value I'm going to get out of that one. He's one of a very small number of players whose last name ended with two F's. That's what I know about him. <laughs> yeah, because I, I got Brandon Tartikoff was uh, not a baseball player. <laughs> 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 not often I get to mention the former like president of NBC. Yes, an NBC executive. Okay, next I've got a checklist card, which that's no good. Uh, next, oh, uh, I could have a two-center here on the mustache. Uh, this guy Ooh. pitched a long time for the Dodgers. Here he is with the Pirates, also pitched with the New York Yankees, Rick Roden. Oh, yep, I remember Roden mostly as a Pirate. I remember him mainly as a, as a Yankee, and again, because when Ricky was on the Yankees, I followed the Yankees a lot more closely than I would at any other point. Yeah. Now, I'm looking at this uh, this mustache. I, I think that's... I mean, it 
covers his entire like from the bottom of his nose to his upper lip. There, it's not it's not thin. Let me put it that way. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm gonna give I'm gonna give it a two center. Like if you put it if you took it off him and put it on Tom Selleck, you wouldn't notice the difference on Tom Selleck. There you go. That that makes sense. Okay. By the way, that's Rick. <laughs> Goodbye, Yellow Brick Roden. Oh, okay. I did not know that one. All right, next we have got uh, this guy. I remember him from the Pirates, but I also remember him here on the Dodgers. He was part of the We Are Family uh, Pirates teams. It is third baseman Bill Madlock. Oh, yeah, Bill Madlock. That, I remember I was really young for the, the We Are Family yeah. Pirates, but I remember, I remember, boy, what a lineup. I yeah. remember him being an integral part of it. Pretty sure his nickname was Mad Dog, too, before, uh, before Greg Maddox. He was Mad uh, Dog. No value in Beckett. He's got a, a mustache, just a one center, but it is a mustache. So I'll take that. That brings me up to 84 cents. Next, this guy, I think, I, I feel like we've had his card before, but neither of us are very familiar with him. At this point, he had already pitched in the big leagues for 12 years. Here he is with the Orioles, left-handed pitcher, Tippy Martinez. Wow, it's been a while since I've heard that name. I, I, I have to assume I've only heard it here on this show. <laughs> That's possible. But uh, no, nothing uh, of value there except for he's got a mustache. So that'll bring me up to 85 cents, which this is a pretty good pack for me so Man, far. No kidding. All right. Next, this is a uh, from spring training. An interesting jersey for the Atlanta Braves. Their spring training slash BP jerseys are just all blue with the Braves script across it. And uh, this is Terry Harper, outfielder. And on the back, it tells me that Terry attended real estate school in Atlanta. Well, I don't know who Terry Harper is, but I assumed he was in real estate. (laughs) (laughs) I am going to assume that, let's see. Wow, he had played for the Braves for six seasons at this point. Wow. I, yeah, I've not heard of uh, Terry Harper, but uh, no value in Beckett, but he's got real stirrups and he's got a mustache. So that's uh, uh, two center for me. That'll bring me up to 87 cents. All right, next. I swear this looks like a manager card more than anything, but it looks like he is a, well, he's a pitcher, but he's got a catcher's mitt on. It is Terry Lawler, L-O-L-L-A-R, pitcher for the Boston Red Sox. Not not Terry the King Lawler. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Just making sure. Uh, he does have a blonde mustache. So that's that's going to get me. Give him the mustache, but not the Selleck. Yeah. No, it's just a one center. Next, uh, we've got Montreal Expos, Jim Wolford. <laughs> I have no idea who that is. Yeah, I don't either. But, you know, I, I've, I've learned to look on the back here. He... First debuted in the big leagues in 1972. So he's been in the big leagues for 14 years at this point. I, that's crazy. How did... Okay. I don't know. So we talked about... Uh, what was his name? Uh, Terry Harper went to real estate school. Jim Wolford once worked as a life insurance salesman. <laughs> wow. See, baseball players are good at sales, I think. <laughs> so this was back in the days when I guess you still had to have a second job in the offseason. Real stirrups. So uh, I'll get one cent on that from uh, my favorite life insurance agent. Next, we've got uh, a member of the uh, the Wax Pack book. It is 
third base shortstop for the Toronto Blue Jays, Rance Mullinex. Rance Mullinex, absolutely. God, was he always with the Blue Jays? Uh, let's see. At this point, he came up with the Angels. He spent three years yeah. there and then uh, the Royals for two years. But yeah, I remember him mainly with the with the Blue Jays. Yeah. Uh, but he does have a sweet mustache. So I congratulate uh, him on that. Not a Tom Selleck, but it's a it's a good one. That'll bring me up to 90 cents. Wow. Our second back to back member of the Wax Pack book. It's Jaime Kokenauer, <laughs> pitcher for the Brewers. What are the odds? Who I did not know how to pronounce. I called him Jamie, and uh, I was corrected by by Brad when he was on about the show. And on the back of this card, it says, Jaime's name is pronounced Hi-Me, Spanish for Jim. <laughs> he works as an accountant during the offseason. <laughs> wow. These cards love to talk about the guy's other jobs. That's great. <laughs> they really do. <laughs> Uh, one set there because he's got real stirrups, but that's rather, rather strange. Next, we've got Tony Phillips. This is good. He's got a good A's jersey on here during spring training. Here he was uh, as a he's listed as a third baseman, second baseman. But uh, this he'd been in the league for five years with the A's prior. I doubt that's probably going to be worth anything. Uh, it is not, but he's got a got a mustache as he always did, and uh, he attended New Mexico Military Institute. Huh. Salute to you, Mister Phillips. All right, I've got uh, two cards left. We know what the last one is because the gum is still attached to it. I <laughs> did get one of my favorite third basemen of all time here, here with the New York Yankees, Pags Mike Pagliarulo. Mike Mike Pagliarulo. He was very popular among Yankees fans. He was very popular uh, among my house, mainly me. No value from Beckett, but he's got a mustache, and yeah, it's just, it yes. doesn't go far. It's not wide enough to be a Selleck. It's a good mustache, but he's got real stirrups as well. So that'll get me two points, uh, cents, and bring me up to 94 cents. And then we know who my last card here. It's Wade Rowden. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what to say about it. He's a pit, or no, he's a third baseman. Oh, he of the gum stain. Yeah. Any value to this card is taken away because it is still stuck to the back there. No points for anything there. So Wade really let me down. But that's a good pack for me right there. 94 cents. I'll take it. Yeah, that's that's going to be tough to beat. I got I, I got one Hall of Famer in there and he was uh, he was really the big money card. All right. So now we're going to go with your pack. Uh, your gum is separated and all in one piece, so I don't How know. If, that? I don't know if that's a, a good uh, good sign or a, a bad sign. But all right, well, you're gonna start off with the Hall of Famer, so that, <laughs> that's a good sign. It's got to be a good start. Here he is uh, finishing up his career in uh, a Boston Red Sox uniform. He made his debut in 1967. It's Tom Seaver. Oh man, Tom, leave it to Seaver. Absolutely one of my favorites. That's uh <laughs> we were we were talking about him when we were talking about our greatest living ball players. Yeah, so let's uh I, I'm not sure we've ever really discussed Tom Seaver's numbers. Let's uh Oh, they're quite impressive. Tom Seaver, Eve three hundred and eleven and two oh five. My goodness. That is wow. impressive. Wow. Led the league in wins three different times. A uh, career ERA of, let's see, what are they listed at? 2.86, not bad. An ERA yeah. plus of 127. 
Wow. Won the Cy Young Award three times, was Rookie of the Year in 67, and was a member of those Miracle Mets in 1969. Yeah, he was pretty good. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty good. Let's see. That card's no doubt going to be worth a good little bit. That card is worth 20 cents. Uh, he is a Hall of Famer, and he's got real stirrups on. So right out the gate, you're at 26 cents. That's That's a good start. Gotta love Tom Seaver. Yeah, that that he and Barry Larkin have, have done us some favors here. Yes, for sure. Next, we've got first baseman outfielder for the uh, Atlanta Braves. It is Gerald Perry. I remember Gerald Perry. Yep, pretty good first baseman. Uh, I don't think he was as good in the outfield as he was at first base. Yeah, here he is playing first base with his outfielder's glove. <laughs> maybe that's maybe he was that's using why. his first baseman's glove in the outfield. <laughs> Uh, no value from Beckett, but he's got a mustache and he's got real stirrups. So that'll bring you up to 28. One of our favorite shortstops. If he was not sitting in the dugout and just photographed from the head up, we know he would have real stirrups on because that's the way he rolled. It is none other than Shawan Dunstan. Shawan of the Cubs. Gotta love him. Yeah, so you know he's got a mustache. Oh, yeah. And uh, he's worth four cents here. So that's a five-cent card for you. Well, I'm off to a decent start. Yeah, you are. Schwan with the cannon. San Francisco. That's now, right. he played for a couple of years in San Francisco, I think. Schwan played from uh, San Francisco. Yeah, he played four years in San Francisco. Two near the end of his career. I didn't realize he had two different stints with them, but he played 12 years in Chicago. Yeah. Okay, next we've got, uh, I believe this was, he was a DH. He's listed here as an outfielder, but uh, from the Angels, it is Jack Howell. Jack Howell. God, you know, I remember him, just not that great. Uh, He's a lefty. I think he had some pop. This is, I think this is a rookie card, but Beckett has no value, but he's got real stirrups on. So you'll get your, uh, get your one cent there. That'll bring you up to 34 cents. Next, I do not know this guy and he's probably not going to get you anything. I'm going to be honest, though. Facially, he looks like our buddy from the Turnip Hair podcast. It look, he looks like Chris. It is, And he's a cub, so that'll make him happy. It's Dave Gumpert. Dave Gumpert. Okay, moving on. Yeah, he's, uh, he had been in the league for four years prior to this. His boyhood hero was Al Kaline, and he lettered in cross country and baseball in high school. But did he do? Uh, did he have a job in the offseason? It uh, does not say. I'm going to guess he probably was selling insurance of some sort, but uh, nothing there. Smoke jumper. <laughs> smoke jumper. No value there. Uh, speaking of Cubs, here is a Cubs legend, although he is pictured here with the Royals. Uh, interesting picture, but it is none other than Jim Sunberg. And you know what? I take that back. Uh, the, he was. I don't believe Sunberg played with the. I'm getting him mixed up with somebody else. Catcher Jim Sunberg. I remember... Spent a lot of time with the Rangers and then the Royals, but... uh, Yeah, he was around a while. Yeah. And I don't know why I thought he was with the Cubs. I I don't know why that came into my mind, but I cannot get fined because I just told everybody I messed up. So, Uh, (laughs) no value there, but he does have real stirrups. So, that'll get you a cent. You're up to 35 cents. Oh, oh no. I'm in danger here. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, you know what? I, I'm going to take it back because he's not a Hall of Famer. <laughs> I just I've seen that this card is 
I, I don't, this is a card that when we talk about this guy, or not we, but when people talk about him, I see this card a lot. It is pitcher, noted steroid fan, Roger Clemens. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, Mr. Clemens, who didn't necessarily tell Congress the truth. <laughs> he misremembered <laughs> a lot, is what I recall. Yes. Uh, but this card is worth 45 cents. Hey, you know what? Roger can do something right still. So you know what? That brings you up to 80 cents. You are only 14 cents behind me, and you've got probably seven or eight cards left here. Having a big game. Yep. All right. So here is pitcher for the uh, Seattle Mariners, righty Bill Swift. Oh, yes. Bill Swift, uh, one, one fine Mariner reliever. How's that? <laughs> uh, no value from Beckett. He's got real stirrups. Now, interesting fact. These 87 tops are a smorgasbord of information on the back. Bill is one of 15 kids. Whoa. I, I can only say that Mrs. Swift, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> that is, that's just not right. Okay, next, moving on. Uh, Daryl Motley Crew. Daryl Daryl Motley, outfielder. I, I remember the name, but I don't remember anything about that guy. I, I don't remember him. Boy, he is a he's a real stout, muscular looking guy. He is uh how tall is he? He's five nine and he looks like he is a linebacker. My goodness. <laughs> it also he's pictured here with the Royals, but down you can barely read it because it's in black print and it says now with Braves. Don't see that very often. No, no, you don't. Uh, that card's Weird. not worth anything, but I believe he's got a mustache. Yep, he's he's got a mustache, so that'll bring you up to 82 cents. Uh, closer. Yep, now you've got a rated rookie card here, so this one might, might help you out a little bit more. It is not the guy. It's not Bobby Thompson. It is second baseman. He was on that uh, the uh, 89 Giants team that went to the World Series. It is Robbie Thompson. Yeah. Robbie Thompson, not a bad shortstop. Yeah, so that's worth five cents. I, I thought that might Ooh. be worth more than that, but that's worth five cents. That'll bring you up to 87 cents. Ooh. You are, are right there. You're seven cents behind me. So this is this is a nail biter. And you've got Can you pull it off, folks. Looking well, for a clutch hit here. You've got well, you've got seven cards left. And wow, how apropos is this? And you're you're gonna take the lead here with this. He made his debut today, September 1st. He's a huh. Hall of Famer, a reliever. <laughs> Can you tell me who it is? <laughs> Could it be Lee Smith? There you go. <laughs> Very <laughs> nice. Wow. How strange is that? Lee Smith, wow. Hall that of Famer, with the Cubs here. He's got a mustache. So that alone will, will put you ahead. Uh, card is worth five cents. He's a Hall of Famer, and he's got a mustache. So that makes it an 11-cent card. That'll put oh, you up to man. 98 cents, and you win with with cards to spare. Wow. Wow. But that's, and I thought your card was, I thought your pack was solid. Yeah, just, these you know. were two good packs uh, right here. Yeah. So that's very nice. Uh, so let's go through the rest of your cards here. Uh, you got another San Francisco Giant, first baseman Harry Spillman. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember the name. I don't remember a whole lot about him, but that card is not worth anything. Next, uh, we've got uh, a pitcher, I think. Is this? Uh, yeah, a pitcher for the Pirates. Here he is photographed signing an autograph 
on a, on a program. It is Barry Jones. What a guy signing a program for yeah. a fan. I don't remember anything about Mr. Barry Jones. Not a clue. You got me on this uh, one, too. He does have a, a, a mustache. It's not a pretty one, but it's a mustache. So that'll get you one cent, 99 cents. Uh, this guy, Joker, uh, one of our favorite Jokers. Here he is with the Houston Astros. It is Larry Anderson. Not to be confused with my uncle, Larry Anderson, whose last name is S-O-N, not S-E-N. Like this one. Wow, because I, I was about to say, isn't this your uncle? Yeah. But no. Larry no. graduated from Interlake, Interlake High School in Bellevue, Washington. No kidding. You and I are familiar with that. Maybe it is my uncle. <laughs> no value from Beckett, but he's got real stirrups and he's got a mustache. So you've just broken yep. the dollar barrier. It's you're my a, uncle. You're, you're at a dollar one cent. Next, we've got Stalwart for the Royals, the Kansas City Royals. This guy played forever at second base. It is Mr. Frank White. Frank White. Man, wasn't he the leadoff hitter too? Uh, I don't remember. We'll have to just assume that you're right. Uh, but he you was never do that with me. Okay. But he was, uh, he played his entire career, all 18 years in Kansas city. That's incredible. Wow. Doesn't happen much. No, let's see. Did I, did I think I get, did I already give you, I don't remember. He's got real stirrups and a mustache. It doesn't matter at this point. I'll give you two more cents anyway. <laughs> Next, we've got a duplicate from my pack. Uh, it's our favorite tippy Martinez. Oh, nice. So we Not tippy Hedron. No, not Tippy Hedron. Uh, you know you'll get one cent out of that. And then our last card is an airbrushed beauty. <laughs> it is, and it almost looks like his beard is airbrushed as well. Uh, he, he is just, at this point, a few hours shy of receiving a degree in business administration from McNeese State University. It is Ray Fontenot, pitcher, now for the Minnesota Twins. Uh, it's spelled Fontenot, is that right? Correct. Yes, I remember. I remember him a little bit. Well, uh, he's going to get you one cent for the uh, for the the mustache, but that is a typical tops airbrushed card. It is not, <laughs> not so much pretty. But uh, I, I want to congratulate you. You have uh, now moved uh, even with me. Let's uh, let me see if I can pull up the standings here real quick. Uh, I'm doing this. I'm doing this manually. Our intern is off this week, so. Give right, me, right. So it's more difficult. Give me one second to uh, to get that, and uh, let's take a look at our standings board now. We're even at one to one. Pretty exciting stuff. Boy, good thing you looked that up. <laughs> no, those are two good packs, though. I think last time we opened really were. an eighty-seven tops. I think we both got some pretty crappy cards. So this was really good. A good uh, mixture of of guys that we knew here. Definitely. But uh, all right, so that'll do it for this episode of Wax Packs Hero. Once again, uh, like to uh, thank uh, thank at Danny underscore Champion for this pack that he included in that beautiful piece of artwork. Again, I'll throw all that information in the show notes so you can uh, go and look at his artwork and hopefully pick up a piece or two. So, uh, Mark, let's uh, start to wrap up the show. Let's, as always, we want to thank all of our listeners. We've actually heard from quite a few of you. Uh, in the past week or so. And uh, we've done that on social media. So if you want to get a hold of us, we've got several ways you can do so. We are both on Twitter and Instagram at Two Strike Noise. That is at TWO Strike Noise. Mark, if they wanted to send us an email, how would they do that? 
they would send an email to spell it out two two strike noise at gmail.com great and uh we've got some uh, some interesting things coming up we've got some guests lined up in the next couple of weeks so that's something to look forward to so mark i'm gonna just assume you'll be home next week and you'll be ready to go with another show is that a good assumption Wherever that home may be, I will be there. All right. Well, then let's uh, let's put it in the book, and we will see everybody next week on the next episode of Two Strike Noise. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day.